Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Well, welcome to Simple Church. We're in week three of this series called uh, Goosebumps, Not So Scary Stories on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm going to start off with our theme verse just to kind of get things rolling. This is from Acts 19, and this, this is about this time right here where we're picking up in, in chapter 19. Uh, the church, the early church, the very first church that, that Jesus left and said, hey, you guys are going to carry on this message. That's the very first ones. That's, that's Peter and Paul and all the disciples that followed Jesus. This is about 20 years after Jesus has left, all right? So chapter 19, verse 1 says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. In other words, they parted ways. In other words, another two, can I buy a vow, please? <laughs> they parted ways in order to spread the gospel faster. And Paul arrives at Ephesus, and he finds some disciples and asks them a question. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that's the reason why we do this series, that, that during that first 20 years when the church was growing, there's still people that didn't know who the Holy Spirit was, hadn't even heard about him, and there was some confusion. And so 2,000 years later, here we are today, and there's still some confusion about who the Holy Spirit is. In fact, I would say that, that in today's age, we know who the, God the Father is, right? We understand his love for us. We understand who Jesus is. We understand what he did for us on the cross and why all that was necessary, but we have no idea much about the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're doing in this series is kind of tackling the, the subject of the Holy Spirit. And we're doing that through uh, reclaiming some words that have been used to describe him. And I'm doing my best to make all of it super simple for you because that's why we're at Simple Church. I love being able to do that for you. So the first week we looked at the word Holy Spirit or the word Holy Ghost and what that really means in Scripture. And ultimately, it just represents this breath of fresh air, a breath of fresh air that each of you need in your lives to put wind back in your sails. In other words, it is the power that you need for your life. We looked at the second week, which is last week, at the word Pentecost, which I know is a very scary word. You, you kind of, if you have no idea what it means, you, you, your impression might be that it's either to wear too much makeup or no makeup at all, right? That's, that's just what you've seen. But really, what Pentecost is, is just, it just means the word 50. I know, scary, right? But, but it's, it's this Jewish holiday. And we looked at how Jesus, in the, uh, there was these holidays that, were, that God gave the, the Hebrew people or the Jews uh, these three holidays, they have seven, but there's three primary ones that represented what God wanted to do in our lives and how Jesus fulfilled them. And so we, we talked about, the, in particular, the, the holiday of Pentecost. Because see, the Jews celebrated the holiday of Pentecost because that was the day the law, the law was given. But we celebrated today, or on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given so that the law was no longer external, written on tablets of stone. It would be written on our hearts and so that we, have, we would be empowered to do certain things. This week, I'm going to tackle another word, and it's the word charismatic. Buckle your seatbelts, kids, because here we go. Now, charismatic comes from a, word, a, a Greek word, uh, charis or charisma, 
And we're going to kind of reclaim the definition of this because I, when I say that word, a lot of you got some baggage attached to what that means. Uh, in fact, I went to Facebook this week and I asked you, what does this word within the context of church mean to you? And here's some of the responses that I got. Run in the aisles. Lots of emotionalism at the cost of sound theology. Flag waving. Shouting. Too heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And snakes and stuff, right? <laughs> One guy said, if you've got some snakes, he goes to this church. He said, Aaron, if you bust out some snakes, I'm gone. And I'm with you, brother. I'll be right with you. I'm gone too. I don't like snakes. That's just one of them things. But there was also a lot of definitions that were absolutely right that they posted in there as well. But these are the ones that, that if you have these, this is why we're doing this series, to bring some clarity to what it means, the, the, the clarity of what this word charis actually means. And so in order to help you understand that, I need you to understand a few things first. And the first thing you need to know is that God wants to give us gifts. In fact, all the gifts that God wants to give you are, are good things. He's a good father. And we ought to want those gifts, especially from him. And so there's three gifts I believe God specifically wants to give you. The very first one is eternal life. It's eternal life. This is the most, the primary gift he has for you. If you have no relationship with you, your relationship with God begins by him giving you a gift, and that's eternal life. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. Let me pause just a moment. Don't keep reading. Hold on. For the wages of sin is death. In other words, the paycheck you get for sin in other words, what you earn, the result of sin. Now, if, you, if you're confused about what sin means, it means you living in a way that is missing the mark of God's best for your life. That's all it means. God has a way he designed for you to live, and when you live outside of that, it's sin. And we're all sinners, every single one of us, me included, all right? He said, so the payment or the paycheck you get, the result of our walking away from God is death. And of course, everybody's going to die. There's not a single person on this earth today that ha isn't going to face death. But this is talking about an eternal death, an eternal separation from God. The verse continues. It says, but, and I like when I see a but in the scriptures because it means things are going to change. It says, you're welcome for that. But the gift, <laughs> stay with me, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a gift God wants to give you, and it's eternity in heaven. It's an eternal gift. It's eternal life. So we understand this. Many of you get this, and if you don't, I'll just kind of break it down real quick. Jesus had to die for our sins, right? We, we are, are given salvation through him because Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, and he was the only one who could lay down his life to pay our bills, in other words. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many, for all of us, so that we could be forgiven and a relationship restored to God where he gives us this gift of eternal life. We get that gift through Jesus. And many of you understand that. But maybe what you don't know is that this gift is free. There's nothing you can do before you receive it or after you receive it to keep it or earn it. There's like nothing you can do. There's no amount of Christian works before you, you, you receive this gift, like before you come to Jesus that you have to come to church or they have to clean yourself up and quit cussing or, or do good things. No, the gift of salvation is free. It doesn't cost you anything. And then after you receive salvation, after you receive this gift of eternal life, there's no amount of praying or reading your Bible or good works that you can do to keep it. It's a free gift. And it's important that you understand that because there are other gifts 
that I'm going to share with you in a moment that have some works attached to it. But check this out. Paul said in Ephesians 2, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God. So this gift stands alone. You can't do anything for it. God just gives it to you for free. But check out the second gift. And this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look at what Jesus is saying when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, he's talking to his disciples and he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. He said, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to talk more about that next week as we wrap up this series, what being baptized or filled with the Spirit means and how you live that life. But today we're going to focus here on the third gift God wants to give you, and it's this word charis, or the word charisma in the Greek, and it means spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. So God has spiritual gifts for each and every single one of us, and what that means is that he has a gift for you that is a divine enablement. In other words, it's something that he empowers you and enables you to be able to do. And sadly, regarding spiritual gifts, there's a lot of people that are still confused. And Paul, Paul knew this in the early church, too. He wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. He said, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. He's like, hey, I don't want you to be confused. I want you to have the 411 on what's going on with the gifts of the Spirit. Right? That's my interpretation of that verse. You're welcome. <laughs> but there's lots of confusion surrounding these gifts. And where does, where does that come from? Well, I will, I will tell you this. There's a whole lot of different doctrines out there, a whole lot of different beliefs about the gifts of the Spirit. One of them is something called cessationism. Or if you belong to this belief, it's you're a cessationist. What it means is that you believe that the gifts of the Spirit are no longer in operation. They, they, that there's this teaching that the gifts of the Spirit were only for the, the apostles. That, that's the original disciples and Paul. And that after they got this whole ball of wax going, the, the church established the Holy Spirit was done. The problem with that is, is if there has been a single miracle that has happened since the end of their, their era on earth, then this can't be true. And there has been miracles. I've witnessed with my own eyes healings that have taken place. I've seen miracles happen. And so that means that this whole thing is simply not true. Now, there's a lot of people that don't mind the fact that gifts are still in operation today. The issue that they have with it is the packaging associated with it, right? And it's not, it's not like most of the gifts. In fact, if you know what the spiritual gifts are, it's not those that you have an issue with. It's just one of them in particular, and that is tongues. Yeah, there you go. Somebody just yelled it out. There it is. That's the one. It's the one that, you're, that you've been told to stay away from. It's the one that is scary to us. See, we want the gift of faith. We want miracles. We want discernment. We want, we want the, the, the 27 different, different gifts that the Bible describes listed in the New Testament, but we've been taught that that tongues thing is something we need to avoid. And I'm just going to say this to you, that you never need to disparage or avoid any gift that God has for you that these gifts from God are good things, that just because the packaging you've seen it in has made you a little afraid doesn't mean that it's not good, and maybe the people that you experienced it with or encountered it through are just weird themselves. <laughs> Let's just hang out on that possibility, shall we? 
If God's got something for you, it is good. Amen, everybody? And we should be open to receive it. Now, here's the thing. At the same token, tongues is not the only gift that is available to you. In fact, there's a whole bunch of them. And Paul said the Holy Spirit gives all of those gifts as he deems fit, as he wants to. That means that there is no way that everybody in the church is ever going to speak in tongues, all of us. That he gives the gifts as he wants to. That means that all of us are going to receive gifts, and they're going to be varied. The Bible says this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, not so that we can be wild in church, but so that we can help each other. It's, it's not for us to elevate ourselves and say, look at me, I've got this one gift. No, it's not to elevate the gift. We're always to elevate the giver of the gift. Amen, everybody? Amen. And that whatever God has for us, we should ultimately want. Paul says we should pursue all the gifts, that we should desire them, that they're all good. The problem is the enemy is working very, very hard to make sure that you never experience the gifts, the spirit. He's working hard. In fact, he's been at it since the beginning of this new era when the church was established, when Jesus said, when he died, resurrected, and went to heaven and left the disciples to begin the new church. When that era ended, what happened was, uh, and, and let me kind of go back, backtrack a little bit. What, what had happened previously in Jewish history was that there was a single person who was appointed as their spiritual leader. There was a single person who was the high priest who would encounter God's spirit and hear from God and talk to the people about what God had to say, all right? So understand there's this pattern that happens. But when Jesus comes, once he gives his life, the veil in the temple that housed God's spirit was ripped, meaning his spirit was no longer contained to a temple. His spirit was to dwell in our hearts. But after this early church ends, when everybody's experiencing this power, as Joel prophesied, he said, Joel was a, a prophet from the Old Testament. He said, there's coming a day when God's going to pour out his spirit on everybody, men and women, children, everybody's going to experience this. And, and, and so this is happening in this New Testament time. But after that early era comes to an end, the people go back to the model that they previously knew, and they institutionalize spiritual leadership. In fact, they came up with a name with them that has nothing to do with, with their culture at all. They called them clergy. Really, this word clergy just means one who reads, but they installed this person to be their point of contact with God. This person who would have all the power, and then they started talking about everybody else in the church and called them laymen, because they were just laying around doing nothing. They just said, well, we'll give you some money, and we'll come listen to you every Sunday, and check, we've done our Christian duty. They weren't operating in any kind of gifts or any kind of power for, uh, of God in their life at all. And so this continued until about the 1500s. And you know through history what, the, what happens. The Protestant Reformation happens. They, they, they start reading the Bible themselves, and they're like, wait a minute. There's this verse here that says God's power is for everybody. It's not just for the clergy. And so they, they called this the priesthood of all believers, meaning that every single one of you is supposed to be ministers. Every single one of you is supposed to be operational in the gifts of the Spirit, that you're supposed to have his power at work in your life. And so the power of God wasn't supposed to be on this one person. So they have this, this Protestant Reformation. It's not just for clergy anymore. It's for everyone. God's power, his presence, and his gifts could be in us all. But years after this event, they went right back to their old ways and institutionalized it again. Put pastors and clergy and priests in charge and gave them power, 
yet again. And everybody else became laymen. And so they have these two different classes of Christians. There's those that had power and those without power. And I think we still do this to this day. In fact, you all do this to me sometimes. Y'all make me so holy and spiritual, like my prayers are more powerful than yours. Now, I don't mind praying with people. I love the opportunity to pray with people. But if you've got an issue in your life, I'll tell you what would be even easier than making your way to finding me and waiting on me to pray for you is looking at the person to your right or your left and saying, can you pray for me? Here's the deal. The same Holy Spirit that's in me, the actual power that I have to pray for you and for God to do anything in your life is in the person sitting next to you and you as well. And I have said that since the beginning of this church because I don't want to be elevated and put on some kind of pedestal like I am something special. The Holy Spirit is special. I'm not. And he dwells inside of you. And he's the one who gives you power. I'm just part of the dream team here at Simple Church. Yes, my role is to stand on this stage. Yes, my role is to lead and to communicate. But I am one member of the team here at this church. And each of you has a gift that God has put inside of you. And I want to help you find it. Today at Simple Church, we've had nearly 200 people walk through the growth track and discover their spiritual gifts. And as a result of walking through growth track, they're taking the spiritual gifts that they've learned God has put inside them, and they're using them to make a difference in other people's lives. So as we wrap up this part, this little definition, spiritual gift, let me give you a definition of what it is. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children. So it's this thing that... that this power he gives you to do something, right? It, it's specific to you so that together, not alone, not so that you can stand on the stage and have everybody adore you. No, it's so that together, together we can advance not my purposes, not some denomination's purposes, but his purposes in this world. That's why God gave each and every single one of us a gift. And God has something for each and every single one of us to do. And we cannot do it unless we discover that unique thing that is inside of us. There's many dream teamers that are serving right now that are not in this room. They're out making coffee for you for the next service. They're downstairs holding babies in the kids' ministry. There's people right now who are not able to engage the way you are because they're back there running cameras. Or maybe they weren't able to worship like you were because they're up here playing guitar in the band. But each and every single one of these team members is using the gift that God has put on the inside of them to make a difference in people's lives today. And we're seeing this play out here at Simple Church simply because this is part of our fundamental message in the New Testament, and it's a fundamental, a fundamental belief here at Simple Church as well, that each one of you has a gift, and each one of you has a part to play here. Together, we can make a difference. So you say, Aaron, how do I do that? Well, there's three things I want you to consider. I'm going to give you two of them today so I can make sure you all get out before the Baptists do this morning. You can get to brunch, all right? So <laughs> it's Mother's Day. I'm out. This is, you're welcome. That's all I'm saying. I'll, I'll do a short video this week. You can catch it online it's, it's a, for, if you want the third one. But, but the first thing I'd like you to consider is that you need to discover the gifts, <laughs> somebody was really tickled over here. I don't even know what that's all about. Are you still laughing at my joke or are you laughing at each other? It's all right, all right. You need to discover the gifts that God has for you. Discover the gifts God has for you. Now, this is not your natural talent. This is not a skill that you've learned and that you've built up over time. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I, I'm telling you that whatever it is that's inside of you, my prayer for you is that God will make it obvious in you what this is. So how do we find it? 
Well, Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, each one, each one of us has different gifts according to the grace given us. And I need you to be exposed to not, not just the 27 different gifts that the Bible talks about, but I really believe that as the church continues to grow and as our needs change, that God's continuing to give us even more gifts than what we find in the Bible. And so I need you exposed to those things. And, and specifically, when you look at that verse, look what it says. It says different gifts. That word is the word charisma, and the word grace is the word charis. So each one of you has this, this grace gift. That's what that means. If you're a charismatic, you're somebody that operates in a grace gift. That means that it's something that when you do it, it's easy for you to do. It's something that God has divinely enabled you to do it. For me, I, I don't know about you, but for me to stand on this stage and to preach, this is easy for me. God's made me for this. I'm wired for this. But for a lot of you, it would terrify you to stand on the stage this way, right? And to have to talk for 30 minutes straight, it's like, no way, I could never do that. But there are others of you, you have gifts that if I were, if I were to try to operate in the way that you operate, I would really have to work at it. There, there's things that are just not easy for me to do. So if you're asking, how do I find out what my grace gift is? Well, I'll tell you the simple answer is to come to step two of the growth track. When is step two of growth track? It's today during second service. You're welcome. We, we run growth track every month, first, second, third, and fourth Sundays of the month. Follow step one, two, three, and four. And we do them during second service in our conference room. We would love for you to, to, to discover your gifts. And here's what you'll learn if you attend step two. David's talking in Psalms 139. He says, he's talking to God. He says, for you created me in my, my inmost being. In other words, God said, I'm going to take a, a little bit of this temperament here. I'm going to wire David a little bit this way. I'm going to give him this kind of bent in his life. David's like, you created me on the inside. You created who I am. You created the desires that I have for my life. The things that he sees aren't going to be the way that you see them. God said, I'm going to create you this way. So he says, he created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So in other words, God made you a specific way and wired you the way you are. And David goes on to say, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Now, I, I would say that a lot of you can't say that, though. You, you don't know why you're here on this earth. You don't know how God has wired you and gifted you. you. You have no idea what he's put inside of you. That's why you need step two of the growth track. In step two of the growth track, we're going to give you a, a personality profile. We're going to give you a gift assessment also that you can get to this next verse where David says this, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Listen, you need to learn what your gift is so that you can start living out the story that God has written for you instead of the story that you've been writing for yourself. That was so good. Somebody should be writing that stuff down. I'll even pose for it. If you're going to take a picture and tweet it. Is that good enough for whoever was doing that? All right. Seriously. God's got a story for you that he's been writing for you. And here's the deal. God didn't wait till you were born and say, this is how they're made, so I'm going to create this for him to do. No, put that verse back up there for me, please, real quick. It says this. He said, all the days were ordained for me. They're written in your book before one of them all came to be. What that means is that God did not 
wait till you were born, see how you were made, and say, I've got this for him to do. No, he said, I've got this for him to do, so I'm going to go ahead and make them this way so that when they start living out their life, they can do it. Easy. That God has these grace gifts for you. He's wired you to do a work that he ordained for you to do long before you were ever born. That means that this is true. God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. That's a truth you need to understand for your life. So it's important that you discover the gifts that God has given you. <coughs> Excuse me. And once you discover that, you get to do what, is, what it's really all about, and you get to use the gifts that God has given you. You get to use the gifts that God has given you. Once you know what it is, you get to use them. But see, here's the thing. If you don't know, uh, first, if you don't know Jesus, your life is all about getting to know him. You, you, your, your life is all pointing that way. But once you get to know who he is, then your life can be summarized by one thing, and that's the, that you're to use the gifts that God has given you. In fact, there are two judgments when we get to heaven, and God's going to ask you two questions, two different, or at, uh, a quest, two different questions at two different places. First, he's going to ask you, what would you do with Jesus? So did you receive him? And that's the great, great judgment. But then once you, once you are entered into heaven, if you, if you receive Christ, you step into heaven, there's a judgment of, all right, what would you do with all that I gave you? So once you know him, your life is now all about what did you use or what did you do with what God gave you? So it's important that you know what your gifts are. And here's the deal. Some of you do know what your gifts are, but you're like, well, I'll go next season. Or I'm going to wait until after summer. Or I'm going to wait, and you've kind of been putting it off for a while. And I'm going to say this to you and share this with you first, that none of us is guaranteed time to live out God's gifts for our lives. James describes our life as a vapor. It's just gone. Another place in the Bible, it says that we're not promised tomorrow. You say, Pastor, are you trying to scare me? No, I need you to understand that the time we're in, that God has given you time. And most of us are too distracted to even realize that we have plenty of time on our hands that if we've just reallocated it, we could be, you'd be using it to make a difference in somebody's life. There's no better time than now to begin using the gifts God has given you. In fact, Peter says this, God has given gifts to each one of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. In other words, there's lots of them. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. That's his purpose. He wants his generosity to flow through you. Now, I don't know if, how many of you know this, but my story goes like this, that, that I grew up in church at age 16, I knew I was called to ministry. had no idea how I was going to do that. But at age 22, I allowed the devil through an offense that had occurred in my life to derail my life. I was in a bad place. I, through, through that process, I wound up walking away from God. I walked away from church just angry at him and angry at his people. I wound up with a pretty harsh addiction. I wound up bankrupt, cars repossessed. I wound up married and divorced, two children from that divorce. I wound up getting married again and watching that marriage start to fail. I was in a rough place, and I never thought, I never ever thought that I'd be restored to God's plan for my life. I never thought that I would begin living out his purposes ever again. 
And know that every Sunday that I come in here and throughout the week as, I, as we serve and we plan and we prepare things for you, that I am constantly amazed. And I'm not amazed at myself. I'm amazed at God. I'm amazed at what God is doing in my life because he not only did he forgive me, not only did he cleanse me, not only did he redeem my life, but he restored me. And once he restored me, once he broke me free from addiction, once he restored my marriage, once he taught me forgiveness and I learned to forgive those that I was offended through, he took me the next step and said, all right, now I've got a purpose for your life and he restored me to that which he called me to. And I'm simply amazed that God would put his hand on my life and with no formal education, I've never been on staff at a church, that God has built this from my life. Now listen, that, I'm not so great. I'm not saying, I'm, this is not your opportunity to pat me on the back. I'm trying to tell you this is how good God is and this is how great the gift he has for your life that you can look like me too. You can have a past that is rugged. You can have a story that you've written Plenty of your own pages, and God, God's story was put on hold just like mine. You can be restored to it, and then he can start writing his story for your life and use you in the way that he intended to all along, regardless. Regardless. I'm trying to tell you God is good, and the gifts that he has for you are good. It's because of his Holy Spirit's power inside of me that all of this has been done, that, that God has built this. And because of that, I'm passionate about the spiritual journey that I want to bring you on. We can have the keys come on back up here this morning. I'm passionate about the spiritual journey that I want you on. In fact, Simple Church exists to take you on a spiritual journey. And the first part of that journey is for us, that we desire for you, is to know God. See, listen, if you don't know God, that's the very first step in your journey that I want to take you on. I want you to know him. And I don't mean I want you to know his name or I want you to know about him. I want you to know him intimately the way that he knows you. Your whole life, that is the greatest thing that you need. But once you know God, the next part of your journey is to find freedom. See, each and every single one of us come to the table to a, a relationship with God the same way that we come to the table with every relationship, with baggage, because of our previous relationships, because of our previous experiences. And many of you come to the table in a relationship with God, you've got some baggage. You've got some, what we call some stinking thinking that just needs to be changed. The what you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, and what you believe about what God's capable of doing in your life. We need to find freedom from those things because God has a better way. And then the next part of your journey is to discover your purpose. This is the most important thing. I'm not talking about your natural talents. I'm talking about what God has divinely enabled in you. And you're to discover your purpose so that you can do the next part of the journey, and that's to join us as a team together as we make a difference in people's lives. That's the journey, guys. That's what God has for you. He wants you to. He's designed you in a specific way to make a difference in people's lives and to make an eternal difference in their lives. That's what you're meant to do. You know, my heart doesn't sing over full auditoriums. Like, I love it. I love it that, that there's lots of people that come on Sunday mornings. I love that. It's better than preaching to, you know, just my wife on the front row. 
She's right there. She's pretty. Is she pretty, everybody? She loves when I do that. But my heart doesn't sing about full auditoriums. Do you, do you know what my heart sings? When I talk to somebody and they say, Aaron, you're never going to believe it. I discovered that God made me this way. And I started doing it. And Aaron, I was made for this. I love Cheryl Lee's story. Cheryl Lee came to Growth Track. And I got a few minutes. That's why I'm going to tell it. I didn't intend to, Cheryl Lee. Cheryl Lee came to Growth Track. And she discovered that God had put something inside of her. And she, and she leads and facilitates our Growth Track uh, sessions. And I'm going to tell you, there, there's, there are, her story can be your story. She said, Aaron, I can't wait until I get an opportunity to say, I was made for this. She said, because I was made for this. And she loves serving on the growth track team. She loves helping you discover what God's put inside of you because he helped her discover what he had put inside her. And my heart just sings when I get to have those conversations. When I hear that you're walking in God's plan and his purpose for your life, when you say, I was made for this. So each of you, each of you was made to serve God with supernatural abilities on the inside of you. And my life's mission is to help you find it. Amen, everybody? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word today. I thank you for your power that is for us and dwells in us through your Holy Spirit. But I also thank you for the gifts that you have for us today. Lord, I pray that you would give each of us the gifts that you have for us. And the gift that you've already put inside of us, I pray that you would help us discover it, Lord, as we take steps to do that. But Lord, we're in hot pursuit of you, the giver of the gifts. We know you have gifts for us, and so we ask you to give us all you have. Lord, in our pursuit of you, Lord, we also pray that you would just, just help us to set aside the stinking thinking, to set aside the baggage and the preconceived notions we have about what it means to live a life with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. May we all pray a prayer that we've been praying this entire series. God, give me all that you got for me because I know you're good and I trust you. So Lord, we pray that, we, that, that as you do this, Lord, as we begin living out the spiritual gift and working, working out the spiritual gift that you have for us is that we would be able to come together and make a greater difference together than we've ever been able to make on our own. Now, if there are plenty of you or possibly some of you here in this room today or listening through Facebook or, or listening through the podcast, and I just want to speak to you for just a moment. See, discovering your, your, your purpose is part of the journey, but it's, it's the third part of the journey. The first part is knowing God. And you've got to take that first step before you can get involved in the rest of it. And so if you're here today, you need to understand that, that God loves you <laughs> so much. In fact, I like to talk about, about you that, that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He loves you so much. He doesn't care about what you've done. He knows what you did last night, and he ain't mad at you. But he has something better for you. And it's forgiveness, it's freedom, it's a purpose and an opportunity to make a difference in other people's lives. He has an eternal gift for you as well, and that's, and that's heaven. 
the way you receive that is by saying, I'm going to receive Jesus. I'm going to make him Lord of my life. See, it's a free gift. And Jesus says, I'll give you my life, but you got to give me yours. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. That doesn't mean you're going to have it all worked out and know what it, what it means to follow Jesus. We'll help you with the rest of that. It just means that today you're ready to begin the journey. And so if that's you, I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment that we'll all join in together with you. But if that's you and you need to say yes to Jesus, then, then would you just let me know that that's you? Would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm ready to begin that journey. Awesome. Church, let's all pray together. Let's pray these words out loud. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Today, I give you my life in exchange for yours. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, the Bible says if you prayed that prayer, there is a party going on in heaven. Come on, church. Can we celebrate with those that said yes to Jesus today? Now, listen, if, if that is something, a commitment that you made today to say yes to Jesus, I need you to know your next step is a step of obedience. That Jesus has called us to take a step of obedience to express what's happening on the inside, express it outwardly through something called baptism. If you want more information about that and you're ready to take your next step, pull out the connection card in the seat backs in front of you and mark that. Make sure you give us a name and a good phone number for you. We'll call you and get you information, tell you the next time we're doing baptism. But we would love to walk with you and have your family celebrate with you that step of obedience. Amen? Also, all right, a couple things I need to announce to you, and uh, I got two minutes to do it, so go with me here. Today's Mother's Day, and as a gift to all you mamas, we have chocolate-covered strawberries in the back of the room. Now, I want you to see where I'm pointing. It's right back here on the right. Uh, our our uh, Heath is standing there. Heath, why don't you just wave your arms around so that we can see. There you go. <coughs> so all you mamas... Those, please take a plate of chocolate-covered strawberries. It's our gift to you. It's a way to celebrate you today. Uh, in addition to that, I want to let you know that our next season of growth, or excuse me, of grow groups is coming up. We have a summer season that is six weeks long. So if you want to kind of dip your toe in, the other, season, the other seasons are 13 weeks long. This is only six weeks. And all of the grow groups are available for you to view today. So you can go to our website or if you have the Simple Church app, you can click on the groups and see all the groups that are going to be available next Sunday. You'll be able to sign up, with, sign up for them. You can do that on your own, or if you need help, there'll be a tent outside. Uh, and when I say outside, I mean like actually in the parking lot to the right here uh, with, with all of our Grow Group leaders underneath there. They'll help you get signed up and talk to you about their groups, all right? So get in a group this summer. And then we're celebrating next week, Simple Church is turning six. <laughs> <coughs> And I'm super excited about that. So next Sunday, uh, that is the 19th, we will be here from 2 to 4 o'clock. Uh, we are having our birthday shindig here. We're providing all the food and drinks. You don't need to bring anything except an appetite and maybe a comfy chair. If you've got like a lawn chair you want to bring with you, there are picnic tables, but uh, those, are a little, those are a little firm. So there's going to be all kinds of uh, cornhole and uh, lots of, lots of uh, lawn games, I'm going to call them, to play. Uh, in addition to some inflatables, a cake contest. If you want to get on on that, all you have to do is show up with a cake. I like cake. 
and uh, there's, cake, there's cake. You can win in two categories. There's prizes to be given out for uh, taste and appearance. Uh, you can win in both uh, if your cake is tasty and awesome looking, but uh, either way, there will be a contest next week and lots of cake and lots of fun. So please come and join us next Saturday, 2 to 4 p.m. I think that's all I've got for you. So let me do this. Let me pray for you as we dismiss. We don't pass buckets here. If, if God's laid on your heart something to give uh, or you're, you're committed to giving in your tithes, you can do that uh, through all the digital means behind me. There it is. Through our website, through our app, or text to give. You can do all that if you'd like to. Or uh, you can also give. You can use the offering envelopes in the seat backs in front of you. There's a give box in the back of your room on your way out the door. You can drop it in there. But uh, again, if you're a guest with us today, you're under no obligation to give. We're just really, really glad that you're here today. So uh, let me pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, my leaders will be here after service dismisses. Uh, but uh, let, me, let me pray us out. Lord, thank you so much for this message and this series. I know that it's having an impact. We're having, I'm having a, just a, the time of my life just having incredible conversations around this uh, after services and throughout the week. And so I just thank you for where you're moving us as a church and how you're encouraging us to, to engage uh, with, with your Holy Spirit. And so Lord, uh, bless this offering as we receive it. Father, bless the mamas and all the celebration around them today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next week.